Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. There's no feeling like having a room full of people who are singing every single word to every single song in your set. I mean, that's just such a cool feeling. And um, to get to like be there and connect with those fans, it was so special to me because they're the reason that I'm doing this. That was Haley Witters, a Nashville-based, Iowa-born country musician, a singer and a songwriter. Haley is a rarity in Nashville the mainstream country artist who writes songs and puts out music on her own record label, Pegasus Records. An accomplished songwriter, Haley was nominated for a Song of the Year Grammy in 2002 for the song Beautiful Noise. Haley talks about that Grammy nomination, touring, and more on this episode of Behind the Set List. I'm Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Jay, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm Looking forward to people hearing this interview with Haley. I thought it was a great conversation. Yeah, she really walks the walk, right? A lot of people sing about being from a small town and a big family. And she is, uh, she's from both. And she's got, as you mentioned, uh, the new album Raised and the single Everything She Ain't just went to radio. Um, already over a million streams and growing. Um, great conversation, yeah, and you know it's impressive when an artist has uh, their own record label and has this vision and um, is is more of a do-it-yourselfer as well. You know, she partners with Big Loud's imprint, uh, Songs and Daughters, but uh, she does talk about you know having the kind of a vision that differed from what was typical in Nashville and choosing to do it on her own. And it's impressive when somebody does that. Yeah, it sure is. You know, it's it goes back to the harder I work, the luckier I get. And Haley is hardworking and has been for many years and even behind the scenes as a songwriter for other artists. And she tours incessantly and uh, collaborates. It's it's the way you make it in Nashville with relationships, follow through and a lot of hard work. I'll remind everybody they can check out a behind the set list playlist on Spotify. The playlist has all the podcasts in it and music heard in the podcast and related to the podcast. So the Annie DeFranco podcast is in there with some of her songs. Uh, The Kurt Smith from Tears for Fears podcast is in there with some of the cover songs he mentions. 
and as well as new Tears for Fear songs, old Tears for Fear songs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, great stuff. So please uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends to hit subscribe. So without further ado, here is Haley Witters behind the set list. Let it roll. Haley, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Howdy, y'all. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to meet you guys. Where are you today? I am in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm at home. Uh, have a weekend off the road. So hanging in Nashville this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. I read this really interesting story um, because I noticed you were you were on the road with John Party and um, I, I read the story about how you met him for the first time. Mm. And uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to hear you talk about that. Well, gosh, John and I kind of go way back. He, uh, I've known him since those first few years I got to town. Uh, you know, he, I don't, he had no deal. He was down playing on Broadway and, um, you know, I, I started playing on Broadway, all that we, we kept in touch. We knew of each other. Um, and I think it was 2016 or so he had asked me to come out on the road with him. So, you know, he was getting ready to release his California Sunrise record. And I went out and did some shows with him. And, you know, it was so cool. It was a big deal for me to get to go out with John Party and um, and to get to open some shows with him. I was feeling like a giant rock star, you know, mm-hmm. um, and flash forward a few years later, I was, you know, taken a few hits from the industry. I was back waiting tables. I, uh, was trying to make it happen. And I, he, I, I'm at the restaurant Richard's, you know, working a Saturday shift and in walks John party. And I mean, I just wanted to, I was so mortified. I just wanted to like find the back door and get out as soon as possible. You know, it was just one of those moments where you're like, Oh my God, I hope he doesn't see me. I just felt so you know, I guess embarrassed because here, here he comes. I hadn't seen him in so long and I'm waiting tables and, and, you know, now a few years later, I'm kind of embarrassed that I was embarrassed because there is absolutely no shame in working a day job and doing whatever you got to do to, to keep the dream alive. But anyways, sure enough, he sits down at my table and I have to go talk to him. And so I walk up to the table and I said, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I'm working, you know, and uh, he's leave it to John. He gets right to it. He says, well, uh, in that case, how about you go give me another beer? (laughs) So I went and I got him a beer and, you know, he's super cool. But um, flash forward a few more years later uh, to current day 2022. And I'm about to hit the road with him this summer and uh, him and Lainey Wilson on the ain't always the cowboy tour. And so John has been like, you know, one of those people that I've, I've just really had pockets with, you know, knowing him throughout this town and this journey. And he's someone who's seen me at my highs and seen me at my lows. And I just, I'm so grateful to him and, and how supportive he's been of me over the last 14 years. You know, it's a big deal. He could have chosen anyone to go on that tour this summer and for him to, to pick me, it means a lot to me. Take us back to when you're playing Broadway and where would you play and tell us what kind of songs you play in your set? Yeah. I mean, you know, I moved to Nashville and, 
a big fan of the chicks. So that song, Long Time Gone, playing it on Broadway, getting there the hard way, living from a tip jar, sleeping in my car. I mean, I just thought that's what you were supposed to do when you came to Nashville. So, you know, literally, I think it was the second day I was in town, um, fresh off the farm from Iowa. I didn't have a car here. I just walked down to Broadway and, um, and walked into Tootsie's and waited for the band to take a break. And when they did, I followed them outside on their smoke break and asked the bass player and the band what I had to do to get a gig here. And he said, well, come back on Sunday for an audition. And so I came down on Sunday and he asked me, what did I know? You know, what cover songs did I know? And I said, Suds in the Bucket, Sarah Evans. And so that was kind of my audition song. And, you know, after that, he said, cool, come back down on Tuesday. Like, you'll work from 10 to 2. So I, I came down and he actually put me at uh, Rippy's on the corner. I was doing that, like, 10 to 2 shift. And then playing Tootsie's. And then he was putting me out at Tootsie's at the airport. And, you know, there was... There were a few days I remember one time uh, I was working the 10 to 2 shift out at the airport at Tootsie's. I played for four hours there and then I went straight downtown and played, you know, the four to six hour or the four to um, eight hour, whatever it was, the four hour shift down on Broadway right after that. And it was so funny because I remember someone in the crowd was like, hey, didn't we just see you at the airport? (laughs) You know, so that was an eight hour day of singing for me, of singing for tips and, and whatnot. But I mean, I would play. You know, down there, it's it's mostly, it was, for me, it was mostly about the cover songs, um, you know, tourists in town, and and they didn't know you so much, but uh, it was about the covers and keeping them entertained, so I was doing a lot of things. I mean, I was doing Should Have Been a Cowboy by Toby Keith was in the set, Suds in the Bucket was in the set, um, yeah, a lot of that Heads Carolina, Tales California, a lot of that 90s kind of country. I think I was playing some Loretta things. Don't come home with drinking Kitty Wells, honky tonk angels. I loved playing that. Um, Brooks and Dunn, um, working on my next broken heart, like things like that. Just kind of the country music I loved and grew up listening to. When you play in Nashville, people typically almost always play covers. Do you squeak in any of your own originals? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, I would put in an original here or there, but you know, nobody really knew any of those songs. So it was, it wasn't always that fun to play, you know, cause <laughs> nobody yeah. wanted to drink to my singer songwriter song about, you know, whatever it was at the time, I guess. But yeah, I would sneak one or two in there every once in a while and try and see gauge in a, a response or a reaction. Now it seems like it's, it's the opposite. You don't do a lot of cover songs, but the ones that you do are, are so good, you know, the chicks you mentioned, uh, wide open spaces for an encore. But what I really love is uh, with Trisha Yearwood, you did How Far Can It Go? But you also do a a cover a bit of uh, She's in Love with the Boy. Um, Tell us a little bit about the Trisha Yearwood connection. Well, I I mean, I grew up just mega fan girl of Trisha Yearwood. I mean, you know, she's in love with the boy I was out. And that was a song me and my cousin learned by heart and, you know, would kind of force our family to sit out in the lawn while we sang into hairbrush microphones. She's in love with the boy. And so Trisha has always been like a really big influence on me um, and a big part of my, you know, why I'm here. And so I had written, how far can it go with Nicole Gallion and Hillary Lindsay 
And um, it has kind of like that throwback. It always had kind of that throwback Trisha sound to me. Um, I love the storytelling in that song, telling a story about a small town love, love fling, you know, and um, we were getting ready to put out our deluxe record and we're that record was a lot of collaborations for me. And and so we were trying to figure out like, who would we have collaborate on? How far can it go? And I was just like, I mean, dream, dream scenario here. Trisha Yearwood jumps on this one. And I mean, that was a total like Hail Mary for me. I didn't know Trisha. Trisha didn't know me. Um, But Stacy, who works at my record label, is like, I'm actually really good friends with her. I'll send her the song and see what she thinks about it. And if she'd want to jump on. And uh, she asked her, and I I guess Trisha said yes. And so I got a phone call that day, jumping up and down in my kitchen, screaming. You know, Jake, my producer, was there. We were just absolutely over the moon. That was such a huge thing you know, when for me, I was so thrilled to have her on the song. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a total, that's one of those moments that, you know, if you could go back and tell 15 year old Haley, she's going to get to have a song with her voice on it and Trisha Yearwood's voice on it. I don't really think she would have believed you, you know? So that was a kind of just a cool full circle moment for me. You went out on a, a headlining tour earlier this year. And tell us about that and, and the kind of places that you, you played. You did cover a lot of the country um, and a lot of different types of venues. Where'd you play? Yeah, um, I went out on my first headlining tour, the Heartland Tour. And, you know, for me as an artist, I've been so lucky to get to do a lot of like opening slots, you know, Marin Morris and Luke Combs and Midland and Jordan Davis. And, you know, it's been so fun to get to, meet their audiences and and whatnot and always kind of in the back of my mind I've kind of been like I really want to do a headlining tour you know I don't know if anyone would really come to that but I I definitely want to try it and see what what would happen and so uh getting to do the Heartland tour was a big deal for me and so um we started in Des Moines Iowa and um you know we were playing kind of small clubs And I was just absolutely shocked that people showed up. You know, this was my first time. This was the first time I was actually getting to tour behind my record, The Dream. You know, I'd put that record out a month before the pandemic hit. So that record's two years, two years old now, two, almost three years old. And this was the first time I was actually getting to play those songs in like a live setting like that. So, um, I mean, people came out, they came out and there's no feeling like having a room full of people who are singing every single word to every single song in your set. I mean, that's just such a cool feeling. And um, to get to like be there and connect with those fans, it was so special to me because they're the reason that I'm doing this. And um, I just wanted to give them you know, a night, a 90 minute set with everything that I had and everything from this record and just really, you know, give them that night and that moment. So um, it was awesome. We played small clubs all over. We went out to Seattle, um, which was crazy. We sold out Seattle. We sold out Portland, which was weird to me, you know, because I feel like I'm just kind of this Midwest country girl. I hadn't really been out there playing that much. And so to get to see to get to go out there and have those shows sell out. I was like, who are these people? You know, where are they coming from? It was, it was really cool. I first heard your music through a streaming service, just on a playlist. 
And one of the first songs that I heard was Heartland. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, more hooks than a tackle box. It's just so catchy. And what I, the vibe that I got from it was just this uh, genuine hometown thing, middle of America. And as I learned more about you, it's exactly who you are from a very Mm -hmm. small town, um, from a large family. And then I noticed that the Raised album, there's so many tracks on there. Well, the whole album basically is just a, a beautiful portrait of your family in small town America. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, not just uh, talking the talk, but walking the walk with who you are as a, a, a writer and a performer. Yeah, I mean, I'm a small town girl, you know, I grew up in my house was in the middle of a cornfield right down the road from my grandma's house I grew up literally more cousins than friends, you know, Um, I'm one of six, my mom and dad both one of nine, my grandpa's one of 15. And we're all just so close. Every Thanksgiving, you know, we are all getting together and Aunt Tina's getting drunk on wine and like, right, you know, every Christmas Eve, we're all getting together. So I grew up, you know, um, had a very normal childhood. I grew up hanging out with my cousins, hanging out with my family, going hunting, fishing, camping, riding four wheelers. You know, um, I used to ride, my grandpa was a sod farmer. I used to ride the tractor with him and sing, sing to myself on the back, you know, sing little country songs. I, um, I really, my, my, you know, really all I had was country radio. You know, I I didn't even get my first CD, I think, until I was in like middle school. So I just grew up a kid, a country radio. And at the time it was Alan Jackson and Tim McGraw and the Chicks and, you know, Martina and Trisha and just this really great, just kind of these stories, you know, I was hearing, I remember the first time I heard Alan Jackson sing Remember When, and I was too young to even know what he was talking about, but I was just like, hanging on to every word and I think that's kind of what inspired me to chase country music was the stories and the storytelling and so um you know getting to make this record getting to make raised uh I haven't been I haven't lived in Iowa in almost 15 years now you know but that is still so much a part of who I am and um I'm trying to get back there as soon as I can but uh that place and those people have had such a deep impact on me and shaping me and and why I'm still here you know those are the people who taught me to work hard and to hang on and to never give up and and all of that so I wanted to tell stories about them and about that place and about the way that I grew up and I I think you know if I put out the dream I had to put out the dream the dream was talking about my 12 years in Nashville, trying to make it in country music. That's just where I was. But I think Raised is, you know, almost the prequel to that record in a way. You get to go hear the stories and and hear from the people that, you know, that made that brokenhearted waitress 12 years in a 10-year town hang on and never give up. And so I I think this record really gives people a taste of who I am and, and where I came from and why I'm still here today. I'm going to play a few seconds of the song, Everything She Ain't, which goes to country radio soon. And then you can tell us about that song and and writing that song.
And you've been playing that song in your sets um, for the most part recently, right? And tell us about writing that song. Where'd that come from? Yeah, I wrote that song with Ryan Tyndall and Brian Simpson. And uh, we were kind of writing on like a, a dark spaghetti Western that day. You know, um, Brian comes from the bluegrass world. So I always love writing with him because we kind of get to tap into some of that a little more. And uh, it felt really heavy and you know, we we're just like, man, let's just write something light and fun. And that hook kind of jumped out. I'm everything she is and everything she ain't. And it kind of made me feel or think of me being in this town a little bit, you know, I mean, uh, you know, thinking about kind of just how I've always felt. I remember even growing up, you know, back home in Iowa, this girl uh, moved to our school from Pennsylvania. And uh, when I was like a sophomore, and I remember you know, she came in and into this little country school with uh, listening to all this like emo music dashboard and all, you know, all these different kinds of music. And she dressed differently and she was everyone was like so captivated and enamored by her, you know. And, and so it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. And I've always felt like a kind of a little more, you know, girl next door than Hollywood smile and especially trying to navigate this town and everyone's so obsessed with the next flashy thing, you know, and um, I've always just wanted to try and stay true to my roots. And so I think I pulled a little bit from that inspiration wise, you know, just kind of being confident in who you are and being confident in your skin and owning what you have and what you bring to the table. And um, that's a hard thing to do. You know, that's a really hard thing to do as a girl. And um, it's, it's very easy to feel insecure. And so I, I consider this song kind of, you know, an anthem for all girls, like be you, be who you are and, and know that like you're bringing everything and more to the table and uh, stay true to who you are. And so I was happy Brian and Ryan were down for that idea and they started playing that little guitar part. And, um, you know, I, I have fiddle on all my songs these days. So we put some fiddle on it and got a little wacky with the banjo, but, um, yeah. yeah. So the video for that song is, uh, at Cal Pie high. And mm. that is sort of the nickname of your high school, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, my dad grew up going to that high school, a lot of my aunts and uncles, and it's uh, where we're from. It's a bunch of farm towns. And so that town, you know, the the kids in the city schools in Cedar Rapids always kind of turned up their nose at Prairie, my (laughs) school, and they started nicknaming it Cal Pie High because it was just a bunch of farm kids. Um, so I've always thought that was kind of funny and I'm proud to go to Cal Pie High and, we're starting to think of how we were going to bring this video to life. And I told my creative director that story and she was like, we have to put that in there. So do you get to tell the stories about these songs when you're on stage or do you think that the stories tell themselves when you sing the songs? Because you're one of those country performers who writes her own songs. Um, You could certainly talk a lot about them on stage and introduce them and, and talk about, you know, the story behind the song do you give yourself that opportunity when you're on stage? Do you do you talk about what was behind it? Would you talk about Cow Pie High on stage? Anything like that? How, how far do you go when you talk to the crowd about these? You know, it kind of depends. When I'm opening, I only get 30 minutes. So I just try and shut up and sing songs, you know? <laughs> and I figure if anyone's that much of a fan, maybe they'll go deep dive and they can see that I'm talking about it on, you know, interviews and, and things like this. But um 
headlining stuff. I like to talk a lot more. I have a lot more time. I try and, you know, talk about it enough that people aren't starting to get bored and like, just wanting to hear the song. Um, usually on a song, like, you know, like Janice at the hotel bar. I mean, that song is very dense and, uh, part of me loves to just get out sometimes and play it. You know, it's all there in the song. You listen to the song close enough, you hear the story, but, um, you know, it's also kind of fun to tell that story. Cause I think that people love to know that that's a true story. I think it just kind of depends on the show, on the night, on the crowd, you know, a bluebird cafe show. Sure. I'll sit and talk all day long about how the song came up. You know, people are coming there to hear the stories, but if I'm on a Friday night at a rowdy honky tonk crowd and people just want to drink beer, you know, that kind of keep it short and sweet and get into it. And we can, we can hear it in the song. These are tricks of the trade that you've learned over the years, how to keep people's attention, right? A lot of years of, you know, trying to keep people's attention for sure. So I kind of just read the crowd. What do they want to hear tonight? You know, what do they want to do? What do they want to party or do they want to talk about inspiration for songs? You know, right. Let's, let's talk about pigs. Um, okay. Your, your label, Pegasus, mm-hmm. the, uh, the first track of Raised. There seems to be a a theme there. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about pigs? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I grew up, I was the biggest pork producer in the country. Grew up around a lot of pig farms. My aunt had pigs growing up. And, um, you know, we, when I was making my record, The Dream, and when I was starting to shop it around town, no one wanted to sign me. None of the labels were interested in signing me. And I was starting to hear a lot of no's. And I just thought, and then the meetings that I kind of were having, they just didn't feel right to me. They felt about everything and anything other than about the actual music. And I thought, you know, I've been here a long time and I didn't come this far and I didn't pour all my money and all my energy into this project to have some, to give it to someone who just wasn't really going to take it seriously or take it or do what I wanted them to do with it. You know? So I just kind of thought, you know what, I think I'm just going to start my own record label and we'll keep putting out this record. You know, we were on the Marin Morris tour. We were about to be on the Jordan Davis tour. We'll just put this record out and just do this independently. And, you know, my producer Jake and I were thinking about like, what should we call it? And um, I'm a big John Steinbeck fan. I've always loved Steinbeck. And he, you know, he had a flying pig as part of his his motto, you know, man must aspire even though he is earthbound. And that felt very true to me and to kind of my process in this town. And it was a little bit of an ode to where I come from back home in Iowa, Um you know, just kind of humble roots and dreaming on the stars, on the wings of a pig, I guess. So it all just felt very connected, very symbolic to me, to the way that, you know, my journey was. And also um, even more so going back to kind of how, where I was from. You received a Grammy nomination uh, for the song, A Beautiful Noise, that was performed by Alicia Keys and, and Brandy Carlisle. And tell us about getting that Grammy nomination. What was that like? surreal it was surreal to get the phone call that day that we'd been nominated I mean I to be completely honest I live under a rock most of the time and I had no idea that song was even eligible or being considered you know Brandy Clark called me and I was she just said Haley 
and just like the tone in her voice, I was like, all right, whatever she's about to say right now, I'm either going to cry or scream. So I was in a very public place. I was like, Brandy, give me a second. I got to get out of this coffee shop. And I step outside and she told me that it was nominated for a Grammy and I started freaking out. I mean, it was absolutely surreal. That is getting a Grammy nomination is something that you just dream and dream and dream of happening. But I don't think I ever actually thought that would happen for me. You know, I mean, so to get to do that and to get to just be a part of that song, that song, the making of that song was already so special. So many heroes, you know, people that I dreamt of collaborating with getting to be on a song with them was already such a huge honor. And then to get the call that we were nominated for a Grammy, it was pretty crazy. How did that song come together? It has Brandy Clark and Hillary Lindsay and Linda Perry as, as some of the other co-writers. Uh, tell us about putting that song together. Yeah, uh, Brandy Clark had texted me. This was like 2020, I think, spring of 2020. And she had said that she had kind of been um, asked to write a song about the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote. And she was like, you know, I think it, it seemed like it was going to be kind of like a campaign thing or something at the time. And she was like, would you be interested in writing that? I'm going to ask Hillary, Lindsay and Lori McKenna. And I was like, sign me up. Like, I love those women. And so um, she said, it's going to be collaborative. More people are going to be getting involved, some women of color. And I was like, absolutely, I'm down. So um I think the four of us had gotten together. This was on Zoom because we're in the middle of the pandemic. So I was back home in Iowa, actually, Zooming from my parents' front porch. And the four of us got on and we started something, you know, knowing that it could change and it wasn't anything definite. It was just kind of spitballing some ideas and an, an angle. And, um, you know, we, we I think after that, it got to Brandy Carlisle, who then brought on some of the other women in the song. So it was a very unique experience for me as far as writing. I'd never written like that, you know? Um, I'd never written like that where it was kind of, you know, contributing little chunks and it growing and collaborating and becoming, you know, so much bigger than and, than what you had originally planned. Um, so it was unique, but it was very cool, you know? And uh, I had never met a lot of those women. So my first time meeting Ruby was at the Grammys, you know? Mm. Um, and it was crazy because you're celebrating a song that y'all both wrote on, but you've never actually even met, you know, it was pretty wild. Did you do a lot of Zoom songwriting sessions during the pandemic? I did a lot. What was that like? It was, I mean, it was love or hate, you know? I think that there were some pros and cons. I think cons, you're kind of like Zoom fatigued after three hours, you're like, I got to get off this computer screen, you know? So, but on the flip side of that, I found that it made the songwriting, you know, a lot of the songs that I wrote during that time were two session rights, which I feel like kind of made some of the songs a lot stronger because, and, and these are a lot of the songs that are on Raised, you know, it wasn't like we had to force a song out in three hours and then we never touched it again. It was like, we wrote a little bit, you know, and then we'd get back a few weeks later with a fresher perspective, maybe mm -hmm. at being able to sit on the song for a few weeks and kind of twist it over in your mind, getting back and then finishing it. So 
Honestly, I think I've kind of taken some of that and tried to apply it to my writing now, even though we are in person. I mean, yesterday I was writing with Brian Simpson and Ryan Tyndall again, and similar to, you know, at when we were writing everything she ain't, we hit a point where we're like, this is really good. I don't want to mess it up. And I don't want to, I'm starting to get tired and I don't want to mentally tired. And I don't want to just like, you know, finish it for the sake of finishing it. Can we get another afternoon and work on this again? And um, I think that's a really healthy way to write songs. One of the set lists I was looking at, um, you did one of my favorite songs on Ray's, which is Boys Back Home. But you followed that with Boys Back Home, amazing track from from Ray's. And you also do later in this set that I was looking at, um, John Denver's Country Roads. Mm-hmm. Such a great song. Talk about how mm-hmm. you uh, how you do that. Yeah, uh, we do like a little verse chorus of Country Roads at the end of Heartland. And, um, you know, my song Heartland is about going home, you know, mentally and physically when life's feeling crazy, when you're feeling overwhelmed and, and need to get back to who you are again. That's what that song is about. And so, you know, my dad, I guess you growing up, my dad doesn't sing. He won't sing. But apparently there's a story of my aunt likes to tell back in the day. My dad riding the school bus would be, you know, after a lot of the kids were off the bus, she'd hear him kind of in the back, like singing country roads to himself on the school bus. And so that's kind of always been like a sweet little story that I I love. And it makes me think of my dad. And if I had a song, you know, um, with my dad, I'd want it to be country roads. And um, so every night we sing that and we kind of put it at the end of Heartland. And that's kind of my way of you know, going back home a little bit. And um, uh, I just feel very connected to him when I get to sing that song. And so, you know, everyone loves it. That's just a song that for a minute, we can all be connected together, singing about where we came from and uh, just feeling good feelings about that. A few months back, you played the Stagecoach Festival in Indio, California. What do you think of playing festivals in general? Um, as a performer, is, is that a good experience for you? And, and is it is it more difficult to connect to a crowd at a festival compared to, well, obviously being a headliner, it's, it's a different relationship there. Is, is it more like opening for somebody else since it's not your audience, so to speak? I don't know. Like festivals are kind of interesting like that because it does feel like in a way it is kind of your crowd because, you know, people could go, especially a thing like stagecoach where there's multiple stages. So people are choosing to come to your stage at blah, blah, blah time to hear your song. So in a way it does feel like it is kind of, you know, some of your biggest fans or truest fans, but I, I love playing festivals. I am so white, as you can tell by my skin color. And I'm like, why don't we have winter festivals? It's freaking hot out here. You know what I mean? I, I fry in the sun, but, um, other than that, I do think like, it's just festivals are so fun. I mean, people are ready to cut loose. They're ready to drink cold beer. They're ready to sing country music and they're there all day long to hear it, you know, so they're ready to have some fun. And I do think that is probably something you might not get in like a winter festival and also just being outdoors, you know, I mean, even though it can stagecoach, especially was so blazing hot, but you know, you get a feeling at a summer festival that you just can't get year round playing a club, a dark club or something like that, you know? So 
I love festivals. I mean, and Stagecoach especially was a special one because I'd been booked on that since 2019. You know, I'd been wait. That was a dream festival that I had always wanted to play. And I had to wait, you know, how many years throughout the pandemic to actually get to do it. So um, it was awesome. It was very fun. The fans showed up that day and, you know, we're in full force. So it was a great experience for me. What happened to your touring during the pandemic? Did you, performing live rather, did did it shut down completely? If you were in California, you probably weren't going to be allowed into any venue. Tennessee's different, a little more relaxed, as I understood it. What were you able to do in, in getting out and performing uh, during those couple of years? Right when it started, actually, um, I, I, I played a show on like a Wednesday and it was like by Friday the world kind of shut down in the pandemic. And I had a full year booked of touring, you know, I was getting ready to take off and I was very excited to get to spend the whole year promoting the record. And then it was kind of, you know, the pandemic hit and all touring just kind of shut down for me and it sucked, you know, I mean, I was just, I was sad and, but I, you know, I went back to work. I just thought, okay, well, if I can't tour, then I'm just going to start writing again and, and write, more music. And so I uh, switched gears mentally and started writing songs Monday through Friday again. You know, I'm a staff songwriter. So my job during the week when I'm not touring is to write songs. And so I just got on Zoom and Monday through Friday started writing songs. What's your favorite song that came out of that period? Oh, gosh. Um, My favorite song that came out of that period, you know, it might've been pretty boy. I really love that's a song on my record raised. And that was a song that we had to write virtually. And it was like such a intimate song, kind of weird to be writing that online. You're the pretty boy, the funny boy, the trumpet in a marching band, real McCoy, the skinny kid that don't fit in. You've always been a little bit different. Gotta sing your song in the middle. I'm really proud of that one and um you know I think that that was kind of just one of those lucky songs you know to get to be a part of and to get to have it turn out and and be something you're really proud of especially when you're you're writing it on a computer it's kind of funky you know yeah as we kind of wind down here I'd love to know are there well, it's a two-part question. One, are you the person that gets out the Sharpie and does the set list every night? I'd love to talk about that. But also, every performer has a song or two that they really look forward to playing live each night, whether it's because of the audience response or just the uh, song itself. Um, talk about putting together the set list, but also, are there some favorites that you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am the one that, you know, is getting out with the Sharpie and and making the set list and whatnot. And I lean on my band leader, Trent, a lot. And I lean on my producer, Jake, a lot um, because we try and cater the set list to what the audience is going to be like. You know, Um, sometimes if we're playing a show, um, you know, like our show at the Ryman the other night, I knew it was probably going to be a lot of like, you know, people who wanted to hear some really great songwriting so I tried to put more like songwriting heavy songs in the set list and 
and make sure that they were feeling fed, you know, during our set. Um, and sometimes it's people that want to party and turn up. And so I want to play, you know, some fun, fill in my cup, like, um, you know, how far can it go? Things like that, that are the energy is really high. Um, and I like being able to do all those things. I want to have songs to feed anyone who comes to my show. You know, I want people to come kick back and, and drink a beer, but also feel like they, you know, are walking out feeling like they got something like their soul was fed in that show, you know? And, um, so we try and do a, a good mix of that every night. And I think as far as what my favorite songs to play are, I mean, I love getting to sing Janice at the hotel bar, you know, I mean, that is a four minute ballad song. I feel like that song says something. And that story is so fun to get to tell and to get to share in those lyrics. She don't smoke cigarettes Cause it ain't lady life She'll cuss like a sailor She ain't afraid to fight I love playing that song And I love seeing the response from that song You know, because those are the kind of songs that The industry will tell you these days You're never gonna hear on country radio It's four minutes, it's a slow song It's a ballad, all that, all that business But I love seeing people love hearing that song because it's real and it's, and they do want to hear that stuff still, you know what I mean? And so I love playing that. I love playing um, everything she ain't and how far can it go? Those are songs that, you know, girls just start whipping their ponytails around, you know, they want to dance and let loose and it just feels good. And I love, I love performing those songs too. Well, thanks for joining us today, Haley. Uh, best of luck out on the road touring with John. All tours after that. Uh, it was great to talk to you. Thanks for all the stories. Such a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to hear this. And it was great talking with you all. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.